Welcome back to Backpoints. I'm here today with the one and only Buddy Lee. Buddy Lee is a lot of things. He's a world-famous entrepreneur who has sold millions of jump ropes. He's an inventor. He's a Marine. He's an Olympian. He was also born in Virginia near Richmond and went to Highland Springs High School where he won a state wrestling championship. He's here today to talk about his journey to a state title and beyond. It's a great episode of Backpoints. As always, please rate and review this episode and share this podcast with anyone who cares about wrestling. Now let's get rolling with Buddy Lee. He taught me to get up when I didn't want to get up when I wanted to quit. I had high goals, man. I've always had high goals. And so when I won it, I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, you guys are right. It's not the thrill of winning. It's the joy of having that personal goal and being able to achieve that and walk off the mat with your head held high and with your hand up. That just fueled my fire. And I was in every state championship match from there on until I graduated. That was when I really started doing the kind of wrestling that I was capable of. Anybody that steps in the ring and just decides to commit the entire time is a state champion in my in my book. Welcome back to Backpoints, the podcast where top wrestlers reveal their secrets. I'm super excited for today's guest. I'm here with the great Buddy Lee. Buddy Lee is famous for a number of reasons. Just to name a few, he was on the Greco-Roman Olympic team in 1992. He was a 20-time Armed Forces National Champion, just to name two of his accolades. He's also a, a successful entrepreneur and the founder of Jump Rope Technology and the Jump Rope Institute. He's recognized as probably the world's greatest expert in jump ropes and was named the official jump rope coach for, for all U.S. Olympic teams in 1996. Did I get that right, buddy? Yep, 1996. Got a couple of things a little wrong, but that's okay. I, I, <laughs> I can write for you. <laughs> well, you can, you can set the record straight on anything you want. Um, yeah. And I, I will say before he did all of that, he was also the state wrestling champion for Highland Springs High School in 1977. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what he did after that. And we're going to talk about his his wrestling journey. Buddy, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, Will. Thanks for having me, man. Back to back. Nice to be here. So why don't we start at the beginning? And <clears throat> can you tell us how you got involved in wrestling in the first place? Yeah, well, um, first of all, it was bad luck. But let me just start off by... I'm saluting my amazing mother. Um, she was uh, she raised six kids by herself, and I was one of six and a middle child. And um, you know, my dad came back from the war. Um, he wasn't the same. He was shot in Vietnam and wasn't the same. And um, of course, he became an alcoholic uh, because of the things he saw in Vietnam. And my mom was pretty much left to take care of six kids. And as a kid coming up, um, we did all kinds of sports outside. You know, no such thing as computer. You're outside all day. I mean, I, I still recall waking up early in the morning time and I already planned my day out with my dogs. And we would go into the woods at eight o'clock and I would come back that evening, like, you know, five o'clock and stuff, had my little lunch. And, um, and, and back in those days, all you saw was basketball. You had to be a football player. We had some, we played baseball. All the kids got together and played baseball. Um, not, no such thing as soccer. It's just basketball, football, and maybe baseball and track and field. Who was the fastest? So I never even saw wrestling until I was, um, you know, uh, 
introduced to it in the ninth grade. Ninth grade, and um, it's a very interesting story. I, I thought I was a basketball player back then because uh, I came from seventh and eighth grade. We were like the uh, champions, 12-0. and 0. And um, I was track and field, and then, um, and then I was a football player. Uh, they called me Lee Flea. I was a center linebacker at 76 pounds, of course. <laughs> 76 pounds, they used to call me Lee Flea. I was a, on the defense, center linebacker, offense. Uh, I was uh, the uh, tight end. And so I was thinking I was going to have a career in either football or basketball. Then uh, went out for the ninth grade basketball team. And all the guys that were in eighth grade that won the title then, they went out for the team. And, and I was doing real good because I was great with the ball handling skills. And went up for a layup. Went up for a layup, perfect layup and stuff in, in the uh, tryouts. And all of a sudden, I heard my ankle snap. Pop. And I think this was like maybe the second, third day of tryouts. And I was sidelined. And, uh, and I couldn't play because that ankle was like really swollen. So I think maybe a couple of days later, this guy named, we called him Boo Boo. <laughs> I don't know his real name. He was on the, he was known as a great wrestler for the community. And he came by and he saw that I was um, hurt for basketball. And he said, hey, buddy, buddy boy back then. Hey, man, come out for wrestling, man. We need a, a 105 pounder, man. Why don't you come out? You know, I said, you know what, man, let me think about it. I don't like this basketball coach anyway. I'm going out for wrestling. Went out for wrestling and thank God I found my sport. <laughs> Never went back to that basketball face reality, made a commitment to the greatest sport on the planet, wrestling. Amen. And that was the beginning of my career and my journey into an amazing sport that transformed my life. What, was there something that made the, the wrestling room fun? Was there something that drew you in or did you just love the sport for the sake of the sport? Well, Will, I have to be honest, you know, being one of six kids, four, four boys and two girls, you learn how to fight all the time. So I was a pretty good fighter. You know, if anybody's a middle kid out there, you know what it's like, right? We got to fight for everything. Nothing is given to us. And so I was a little, little, uh, little guy back then, and um, and I was pretty known for my fighting skills. I used to beat up big guys or bullies, more or less. And um, it was a natural for me because I used to wrestle with my uh, friends and bigger guys, and I used to handle them. But I never knew that that there was a sport for wrestling. And so when I got into the wrestling room, they had me go against a senior. And um, I was able to pin this guy with no problem. And that's when they knew that this guy is great for the sport. And every time they showed me something, I picked it up like a sponge, like it was natural. So thank God I found a sport that allowed me to compete at my weight in my weight class. So it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Can you tell us about your, what your coach was like in high school? Well, the first coach that I had, I think Coach Arnold, I remember that name. Um, I don't recall much about him. Um, I was coached by mainly the local kids from the neighborhood who were also on the team. And then the next year we had a coach, that coach stepped down and we had a football coach named Rudy Ward. He took over the program when I was a sophomore and that made all the difference in my life. Um, he knew nothing about wrestling, but he was a great educator. He knew how to support an athlete and get him everything he needed to be a better wrestler. So um, that was uh, the introduction to the coach that also followed me to the Olympics and wow. who became my best friend, 
Um, he became a mentor, a big brother, and almost like a father figure. So I tell you wrestlers out there, your high school coaches, they're, they're going to be the greatest people in your lives. And you're never going to get that kind of treatment after you leave high school and go to college. So I was very blessed to have a coach like that, Rudy Ward. So that's, it's fascinating to me because he coached you to be a, to be a state champion wrestler. Um, and he was a football coach and he didn't know anything about wrestling. Yeah. He saw my potential. He saw my potential. He saw the fight in me as a person. Um, I had natural ability for the sport and, um, I was a worker. I mean, I was self-motivated. You see, um, Will coming up, being a, one of six kids and, a, you know, going to bed hungry some days when your mom was struggling with three jobs to put food on the table, a roof over our heads and clothing on our backs. Uh, man, you, th it does two things for you. It, it, it gives you an excuse to quit or it gives you some motivation to say, hey, man, I want to change my life. I want to help my mom. So I was self-motivated to change my life because I knew I had to get to college and, and get an education so that I could have a choice in life to be what I want to be. And so I knew that mom couldn't send me to college and I knew how expensive college was. So I, when I found my sport of wrestling, I made that personal commitment to myself that I was gonna do everything that I could to be my best all day, all night, all week, all month, all year to become a state champion and hopefully become uh, recruited by colleges, get a scholarship and also focus in school. So. I made that commitment and um, the coach, he saw the drive in me and um, he did everything he could. And um, I remember after my sophomore year, you know, I was undefeated and everything. Um, he came to me and said, hey, we need to get you into a wrestling camp this summer. And so I said, OK, well, I'm going to go and cut some grass. How much is the camp? So I went to cut grass back in the day, cutting knocking on the door. Can I cut your grass for ten dollars back? Ten dollars. You cut a yard. <laughs> <laughs> an acre, an acre land for $10 back in those days, you know, and um, saved up enough money and um, went to my first wrestling camp, the Grammy School of Wrestling with the legendary Billy Martin Sr., known for winning 21 out of 22 years state titles for the state of Virginia, um, AAA schools and stuff like that. Went there, saved my money and, uh, and beat their best wrestlers in the camp, the counselors. And they say, son, where, where are you from? I'm from, you know, Holland Springs High School. Well, how would you like to stay for the whole summer and train with us? So I kicked the butts of the counselors, of the high school counselors there. And I got my ticket uh, to basically be in the wrestling camp for the rest of the summer for free. And then I came back to Holland Springs High School and my coach made me his coach, his assistant coach. So I started coaching the team, was the captain of the team. And also had to do my my work as a wrestler. So it was a great experience as far as learning how to be a leader and also pursuing your dream at the same time. That's amazing. So that was your sophomore. That was going into your sophomore year or going into your junior year? It was going into my sophomore year because I met him as a sophomore. My freshman year is when I first started. And there I only lost like three wrestling matches. And um, and I knew that I had talent for the sport when I had um, pinned uh, almost pinned the state champion, a guy named Benny Goode from John F. Kennedy. He was a state champion. And I threw this guy on his back and had him pinned for the du in duration of the wrestling match. And then I think at the end, I may have lost by one point or I may have beat him by one point. And that was the turning point or the deciding point that, hey, this is a sport for me. 
as a ninth grader. And then the 10th grade is, I think, when Rudy Ward came on board. But mm-hmm. in the ninth, between 10th, well, this is a long time ago, between <laughs> ninth and 10th, I was introduced to the job role by the, the amazed, amazing Mr. Rainey. So we can tell you that story when you ask. <laughs> I, I will. So that's actually where I wanted to head from here. So so it, clearly the camp made a massive difference. And I didn't realize you got to spend the whole summer at the Granby Wrestling Camp. I, I, I went to the wrestling to Granby wrestling camp years later, and it was a great program for me as well. Um, I can only imagine how spending three months or two months or however long it was would have made such an impact on a young wrestler. Well, it was, I feel like it was a privilege, a gift. Yeah. And um, I just want to thank the, the late uh, Billy Martin senior, just having the honor and privilege to be coached by just a mastermind. Mm-hmm. A guy that had one thumb used to tell all these amazing stories and he could coach you without touching you out, showing you anything he could demonstrate. And he had these amazing kids, Billy Martin's senior, uh, junior, which was my coach that recruited me, Stephen Martin. He was five years of age during that time. Wayne Martin. He was my, became one of my teammates. And then, um, and then they had another brother who was a really good wrestler and I forget his name, but, um, they had all the sons there. So we got the witness there. And then the great Keith Lawrence was his assistant. And I think great Simons was, was coaching at the wrestling camp. So they had some great, um, yeah. technicians there. And, um, these guys, they knew this stuff. They studied the best wrestlers in the world and they were able to teach it to people and they broke it down in a system. And that system became the foundation to how I teach globally my jump rope training system. That's interesting. Okay, so t- talk to us about how you discovered the jump rope and what that meant to you. Well, um, once again, uh, I'd like to say that, um, you know, it's always a blessing, you know, when you have, when God put certain kinds of mentors and people in your life. And um, even though when I was coming up, even though we had tough times, but we we're in a great neighborhood. And um, I was blessed to have this guy named Mr. Rainey as our next door neighbor. He was a, he was a real live Bruce Lee, but he was a black version of Bruce Lee. And this guy, every day I used to see Mr. Rainey breaking bricks, doing all kinds of karate movements and stuff in the front yard, stretching, doing hundreds of push-ups, lifting weights, running miles and miles. And one day I saw this guy, Mr. Rainey, jumping rope. It was the first time I saw a guy jumping rope. And he was doing these cool things in the front yard with the jump rope and I went up to him and said, hey, Mr. Rainey, I said, can you show me how to jump? And he said, sure, buddy, I'll show you how to jump. But first, you got to remember this. The key to jumping is to be light on the balls of your feet. He said, buddy, if you can hear your feet hit the floor or hit the ground, you're jumping too hard. You got to keep your body upright, make small circles with the wrist, look straight ahead. And he said, if you can master this jump rope, it's going to make you the best wrestler you can be. So I said, man, I do everything I possibly could to be the best wrestler I could be to make my dream come true. So he gave me that rope and I still recall it was a little wooden handle and it had like a cloth material. Mm-hmm. He put that rope in my hand and he left me. And it was like five o'clock that evening. And I started practicing with the jump rope. Say, man, this thing is hard. Cause see jumping is a skill, remo- skill movement and requires proper timing and coordination of the rope swing to master this skill. So that day, I made a commitment that I'm going to master the skill because I'm going to be my best in wrestling. And I started practicing and it was heavy on my feet. 
And then I started thinking about the things that Mr. Rainey said. He said, look straight ahead, relaxed upper body, small circles with the wrist, jump high enough to clear the rope. Will, when I put that rope down, it was five o'clock that night. It was nine o'clock that evening. I worked from five to nine o'clock, nonstop, trying to master this skill, master the fundamentals, never put that rope down after that, took that jump rope with me everywhere I went incorporated it into my wrestling. And for the next three years in wrestling, I lost only one match, one, two matches. And it became the key to my training for wrestling. It provided key advantage, advantages in speed, quickness, explosive power, conditioning, concentration. It gave me everything I needed to be the best wrestler I could be. So every match and during every practice after practice, I was training with this rope. I would warm up with the jump rope and people thought it was a jump rope when I kicked their butts. It became my best training partner, my best friend, the key to my success in becoming a state wrestling champion. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real deal, man. And yeah. thank Mr. Rainey. Mr. Rainey, um, I came back maybe a few months later, Will, knocked on Mr. Rainey's door. Say, Mr. Rainey, say, what you want, buddy? I said, come outside. I got something I want to show you, man. He came outside, Will. I took that rope and like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> he said, man, what are you doing? I showed Mr. Rainey how to jump after that. I showed him how I've been practicing as a grasshopper, focus on his fundamentals, never put that rope down. And after that, he became my fan. And, um, and let me just tell you the end of that story. 30 years later, when I became Michelle Obama's spokesperson for fitness for the government, Mr. Rainey retired. And I say, Mr. Rainey, what you doing, man? He said, I just retired. I say, how would you like to travel with me to, uh, to, to uh, teach the military families on how to get fit and strong with the jump rope? And that's what happened with Mr. Rainey. 30 years later, wow. I came back and, and he joined me in my crusade to get people fit and strong with the jump rope. And you really became a student of jumping rope. You know, you did it, but you also read about it, didn't you? Like you, you researched jumping rope. Well, yes. Um, I think that, you know, being in this greatest sport on, on the planet, that's wrestling. Um, we have great minds and all the wrestlers I've ever known, they've just been brilliant people. And, um, and, um, and for me, I was always a student first. And I had dreams of basically sharing this amazing training technique with the world because I knew you couldn't show everybody wrestling, but jump rope people loved it. So when I was at the Olympic Training Center, when I made the USA national team and we had the training camps at the U.S. Olympic Training Center, when we had breaks in between our training camps, like we had like two and three hour training sessions, I would go, when everybody went back to the dorms, I would go to the library on the Olympic Training Center. I used to go to the library and say, hey, miss, I need to find everything about jump rope. How can you help me to research it? And they did this big search for me on the computer. And she helped me to research all the journals, all the research that was printed in journals for jump rope. And then I studied the science behind it, the research that had been done in it, done on it. And then I learned how to teach this and how it worked for me to become the best wrestler I could be. Mm -hmm. And so in learning the research behind jump rope, then you learn its application to every sport there is. 
and how it impacts all the energy systems and how you use it to improve speed, quickness, and agility to give you those competitive advantages in time and space to be a world champion. So what is it about jumping rope? And you've already uh, talked about it a little bit, but what is it, what is it that, how, why is it such an amazing conditioning and training tool for wrestlers? What does it do to your body when you, when you train yourself to be an excellent jump roper? Well, wrestlers out there, this exercise should be your best friend. And when you make it your best friend, it's going to basically take care of you. It's considered to be the building block to fitness. It's a skill movement. Rest, jump rope incorporates every muscle in the body from head to toe. It's a multi-joint movement. And because of a multi-joint movement, it's basically forcing you to think when you're not, when you think you're not thinking. You gotta improve hand-feet coordination. Um, the, the ground forces that you produce from jumping helps to strengthen the ankles, improves proprioception in ankles. It builds knee strength, um, leg strength. It basically incorporates the forearms where you're making small circles. So you're building forearm strength, we, which we need. Gripping strength, which is what we need. Um, it's improving gross body equilibrium, balance dynamic balance, which is what we need when we're moving and wrestling. Mm -hmm. Improves the um, universal athletic position of readiness. That's the stag staggered stance. You're on the balls of your feet the whole time. So in improving your quickness all the time. And the key to effective jumping is jumping just high enough to clear the rope, which is less than a half an inch. That transfers over into better movement in sport of wrestling. Start speed, explosive power, concentration, and it impacts all three energy systems. So when you jump the rope, jump the rope the way you want to wrestle. So that means you're making contact with the surface short and quick. Um, you're focused on high intensity. So jump the way you want to move means that you're, you're jumping to um, target the immediate and short-term energy system, which is you know anywhere from 30-second sprints to one-minute sprints. And, uh, and you're doing those sprints for a duration of five to 10 minutes. That transfers over into amazing wrestling conditioning. So, okay, so there's so many things I want to ask you about. So I want to I want to skip ahead to a different to a different point in your life because you, you there are two state championships that I'm really interested in talking to you about your own, which you've, you've started to tell us about. And then you coached, I believe, at TC Williams. Um, and so I'd love to hear about your experience coaching the kids at TC Williams. Um, and, um, did you incorporate jumping rope into the training that you passed on when you, when you were a coach of high school kids? Yes, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I, I don't think I could even be a wrestling coach unless they had to jump. They had to yeah. jump. I think it was mandatory. I think Michael Copper site, you know, you know, started phoning me up when I think I was, after the Olympic Games and, you know, after Olympics, you really focus on, you know, how do you transition into the real world and how you're going to get a job and where you're going to work at and stuff. And um, he really, really pleaded with me to come and coach these kids and stuff. And so I say, man, I tell you what, um, I'll coach your, your guys, but I want your best wrestlers. 
And so I think I went maybe to do some, I went to do assessment of team because I just didn't want to waste my time. I wanted to say, hey, I know what I can offer these guys, but I need the best guys, the guys are serious, especially for the state. So I think he might have recruited me in the beginning of the season or whatever. And um, and I, I took his top six or seven guys, six or seven guys. And um, yes, it was mandatory for them to jump, but they also had to condition like world-class athletes. And I, I was blessed to have some of his top guys and they were really good athletes. And I still recall this one, one athlete in particular, which was Chris, Chris Marshall and Frank Harris. Those guys stood out because they were, they were beasts. And um, I mean, do you want me to go on and you can just I ask would love me to, about it? You no, know, I, I would love to hear about Chris Marshall, especially we had him on the podcast. Uh, I think maybe episode four, I can't remember exactly what episode, but so I, I, I was lucky enough to see you in the corner of that match. When I, when I saw the videotape of that. Really? And, yeah. The state, the state title. The state title. State. Oh man. Thanks yeah. for bring. Thanks for making me remember that amazing memory. <laughs> what a great memory, man. And uh, I just, you know, before I tell you this, um, I just really want to salute the high school coaches out there, man. You know, people just don't realize how special, you know, high school coaches are in high school and wrestling and every sport and the commitment that you make to these kids and stuff. And um, just to see what goes into, you know, building kids and making them into men and the commitment that it takes and the passion you got to have. And I was so blessed to have an opportunity to coach at a high school level just to be around, you know, kids that had so much potential and they wanted it. And um, I still remember Chris Marshall. I brought some former high school you know, um, state placers to the team. And Phil Sykes, I think I brought him with me to work with Frank and Chris. But Chris was just a ball of talent. He was natural. And I heard his story how he was from the inner city. And I think that he was mentored and adopted by Wade Shallis. And but this kid was just um, just a little animal. And so when I when I when I look at athletes, a lot of times you just have to observe their natural ability and you have to create technique that goes with their ability, with their body type. <laughs> and you have to understand their mindset. So I understood this guy's mindset. And so what I did, I just, it's just like going in and like you're fixing something. I went in and I just made little adjustments because he was already natural. He could already ready throw you. What do they call him? Airtime Marshall or something like that? Air Marshall. And, Aaron Marshall, well, this kid had, had amazing hips, and, um, and he was explosive, and I just went in and just made little adjustments into his style. Didn't mess with him a lot because that's how you do when something's organic. Mm -hmm. Just fix him a little bit. Make sure his stuff goes in the style and flows. And I showed him a few things that went with his Greco style and stuff like that. But I, I can't remember so far back, but I just remember out of those six or seven guys we had, they were with me and they, out of those six or seven guys, all six of them went to the state championship. They qualified for the state and only one didn't go because he broke his tailbone and he had qualified for the state, but he broke his tailbone and he would have placed. And out of those six or seven guys that we took, um, they took top three in the state. And then I remember the match that Chris had. Oh my gosh. 
Now you're making me remember. Keith, Keith Wilson, my teammate, was the coach of this guy that made it to the finals. And he was a two-time or three-time Oregon national champion, junior national champion. And Keith Wilson, my, my teammate and my wrestling partner that helped me to become an Olympian, came to me. And Keith is an amazing technician. He said, buddy, I'm going to tell you, man, my guy's going to pin Marshall, Chris. I said, man, you crazy, man. You just don't know about black power. This kid is an animal. <laughs> Nobody's going to Chris <laughs> pin Chris. I say, I guarantee you won't pin Chris. I had so much confidence in this guy because I just knew he was untapped. And I still remember Chris wrestled the whole season with a, sh a bad shoulder. Okay. And I remember the state finals. Chris was down by maybe a couple points. The, and he had thrown his shoulder out. And he started like, ah, oh, and was on a match. Referee called the time. This was the state finals. And I, was, I recall um, Michael Compensate going out there first, running out there, tending to Chris. And then he looked at me and said, that's it. He's done. I said, no, you need to go to the side. He's not done. You just go on the bench. I said, and then I gave Chris, hate to say it, but I gave Chris the black talk, and he knew what the black talk was. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing personal, guys, but, you know, we got to talk to these young kids in a different way when it comes to, you know, you know, African-Americans, we got to talk a different way. And that kid got the motivation. I still recall. And he started like, got up, threw all the pain out of his body, got up. I said, this is your dream. You no one is going to take this dream away. You're going to be a state champion. This is for your college education. Went out there and he did just like something out of a movie. He locked up with this kid. And he threw a two or three time, you know, national champion and threw him with the air marshal throw. And this kid was on his back and the fans went crazy and he won the state title. And this was the last 10 to 15 seconds. And he came and ran and, of course, jumping Buddy Lee's arm. And it was like a picture book, perfect, amazing story. And it was the most greatest moment of my life as far as coaching someone to see that this kid had everything inside of him to be his best when the rest of the world was watching. And this is what you're teaching these young kids, what it is that God has put inside of you to be amazing. Great experience. That's an amazing story. Was it, was it, uh, how different was it for you to be coaching a state champion like Chris Marshall in the finals versus winning your own state final, which was more exciting? Well, I think it was, <laughs> of course, it's not. Well, um, wow. I don't know. I think it's probably more exciting coaching him because, yeah. I mean, why are we winning? Why do we winning all these things in life? Why are we becoming champions? The message is, is that we're winning because we have to reinvest back in our community, into the human race, into our youth. And so it was like me wrestling out there. So I got a second chance to win a state title. And he was taking everything inside of him and blocking out pain and finding the courage, the strength to win, to be his best, no matter what. Just do your best. And whether you lose or win, it doesn't make a difference. You're still a champion. And so it was an amazing experience. And I just think that I was so excited. I think I had to be the most excited when I saw him win. Yeah.
because you can't, I don't think it's the same experience when you're out there winning. It's when you win as a state champion, it's just a sign of relief. Thank God I made it through. Hopefully I'm going to get to college, you know, and we have a chance in life because wrestling wasn't the same for me. Every time when I compete against someone, it was like, hey, man, you're in my way. I got to win a scholarship, man. Um, I got to go out there and just, you know, beat you up. And yeah. that's what wrestling was for me, changing my life. So from what I'm hearing, the two most important things for you to, to become a state champion were going to the Granby camp and getting that experience with those world-class technicians for that full summer and then discovering and mastering jumping rope. Are those, are the, would you say that those are the, were the two most important critical steps for you in high school? Yes, in terms of knowledge. But let me say, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a man that believes in the almighty God. Um, you have to have the right people in your path. And my coach, he knew nothing about wrestling, but he's a great person, a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, him, my mother, having a support system. How can you yeah. even think about sports when you don't have a foundation? Somebody's working hard to make sure that you can do those things. Um, a role model, a role model next door to me, being blessed with a guy that was practicing everything that he preached, no drugs, no alcohol, training to be a champion. I saw those things. So I would have to say the community, you know, that God put in before me. And then in that community came out of the Grammy School of Wrestling, the amazing high school that I went to. It was 50-50. I had had the chance to go with white kids. The black kids were all together. We were one, man. I mean, relationships, having that kind of, you know, atmosphere. So I would have to say it's everything. But, yeah, you can p- pick out those two things, but I can't because I, when I look back as far as what makes a champion, I would have to say it's an entire community. Your family, your school, coaches, the people, the coaches, mentors, the teachers they put in your path, um, friends, your neighborhood, my, you know, Mr. Rainey. And then this guy named Carol Epps. So, yeah, I have to pick out a few things. Yeah. And then, of course, my mom, who basically, she basically wrestled life. So she was a role model to show me what true courage was, what it means to never, ever give up and fight with everything inside of you to make your dream come true. So you've had some amazing experiences and I want to jump now for a moment from to your post high school career, and actually, maybe even I'm not sure exactly the timeline, but um, you at a certain point your jump rope career exploded, and you went from uh, jumping rope as an athlete to jumping rope as an entrepreneur. You created a company. So, can you talk about how that happened? Hey, Gene Mills, you out there listening? <laughs> Anybody know the amazing Gene Mills, the big pinner, came after Wade Shallis, the amazing Wade Shallis, Guinness Book of World Records for pin, most pins. I think Gene Mills had to be one of those other guys. We was at the Olympic Training Center, guys, back in maybe, I have no idea, <laughs> and, um, we I had made the national team. And... Um, Everybody was uh, 
a fan of my jump rope and stuff because I used to jump before every match and stuff like that, did all this fast sprint stuff. But for me, I was like, hey, man, this is the way I trained to be good on the wrestling match. And I still remember Gene Mills, them came to me and a bunch of wrestlers, all great, great names and stuff like that. They came to me and said, buddy, man, we went out to this club the other day and um, we talked to the manager and they got to have a dance contest, man. And we asked him, could you, could the jump rope guy, could they jump rope to be in a dance contest? They say, yeah. So man, come on. We want you to go to this dance contest and this, we can win a hundred dollars. But if you win this hundred dollars, we got to split it. <laughs> I say, okay, man. All right, we can go out. So I think we had about like 30 wrestlers strong, man, all from the national team. And we went out to the dance club. You know, of course, nobody's drinking, you know, just going out and dance. And man, they had the dance contest. And this is back in 1986. And I did my I did my rope mine. I did this rope mine thing, man. Pull a jump rope in my hands. Next thing you know, won the dance contest, won the hundred dollars. All the wrestlers, I was a big fan, Herbert. Everybody was happy. Split my $50, split, gave Gene Mills $50. So he tells me this, you know, years after. I can't remember. And um, the next two days after the Olympic Training Center, they do a press release. Everybody's bragging about what I did. They did a press release on the U.S. Olympic Training Center. And then this guy named, I can't remember his name, he was the uh, publicist on the Olympic Training Center. And he did a press release. Olympic hopeful jumping to make the Olympic team wins whatever. It goes viral. Next day, not gonna, we come into the wrestling practice at the Olympic Training Center, and I see all these TV cameras, right? I say, what's going on here, guys? What's going on? And they say, there he is, there he is. CBS, ABC, they come to me. They <laughs> say, are you Buddy Lee? I say, yes. Say, we like to film you. I say, for what? What's going on? With your jump rope thing. And this was the beginning of the jump rope cruise, crusade around the world. They filmed me at on CBS, they did a story and it went viral. They they filmed it and put it on all the affiliates across the country. Will, I got calls from all over the world. They got calls saying, we like for you to come to our school to, to talk about your jump rope, your, your wrestling experience, how jump rope played a role in it. And then that's when I learned how to tell my story. And then maybe half a year later, I got a call from Japan saying that we like for you to come and basically do a TV commercial. And they they chose me over Carl Lewis. And this one I made about $20,000, $25,000. They flew me to Japan and I made the first commercial. That commercial uh, made the, um, sorry, my earplugs, earplugs uh, came out because of my cauliflower ears, sorry. <laughs> Back to the story. <laughs> flew me over and uh, made my commercial call with Tokahone Dash, it was a, a sports spray for sore muscles. And that commercial made the product number one. And that was the beginning of my jump rope crusade and career and made me realize that, man, I can make money doing what I love, the jump rope. That's awesome. That's all. Okay, so now, so now today, what is going on with your jump rope? You've got a jump rope. You're selling jump ropes. You know, what, what is, uh, what's happening right now in the jump rope world and with jump rope technology? Oh, thanks for asking, man. It's a lot of stuff. Um, it's what I do now. I mean, um, I wrestled to become an Olympian because jump rope was that important to me because I wanted to share it as 
a training technique that I could inspire other people in the world I could, and, uh, and teach that, teach people that they had everything inside of them to find their greatness, to be a champion of life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, when I was back in the day at the Olympic Training Center and when I realized I had potential, I started writing articles for different sports. And I said, man, I'd like to be eventually make my own jump rope. Um, thanks to the U.S. Marines for helping me with my international wrestling career after I uh, separated from Marines in 1993, but after 11 years, retired from it. Um, I created my jump rope company, created my first jump rope, the Magic Speed Rope. Um, from there, uh, I was co-inventor of a technology that changed jump rope for the entire planet, 1997 invention. It's called swivel bearing technology. Mm-hmm. That swivel bearing technology got discovered by a major toy company and um, in Japan, and they sold 2 million of my ropes in one year, um, took the royalties from that and basically um, formed my own company, manufactured my own products, start flying to China to learn how to, to manufacture your own products. Then I became a manufacturer of my products. Then the jump rope was uh, the Olympic Training Center, got a hold of my stuff where I was doing performances they got a hold of it and say, okay, we love your rope and stuff like that. How would you like to become the official jump conditioning coach of the Olympic teams? And how would you like to become the official Olympic license jump rope? So I became the official Olympic license jump rope for all the Olympic teams, Olympic trainer. Then the Drug Enforcement, U.S. Department of Adjustment, Drug Enforcement Administration got a hold of my program, say, buddy, we like for you to basically teach jump rope to gangs around the country. How would you like to be our spokesperson? So I became spokesperson for the U.S. Department of Justice Drug Enforcement Administration to teach kids on fitness as an alternative to gains. And then it just basically got a call from CrossFit saying, hey, man, we heard you're the expert. We want you to become the CrossFit expert for the for the world. So I became the jump rope CrossFit expert in 2006 when he had 600 gyms. Then I left CrossFit after about two years, and then he exploded to like 17,000 gyms around the world. And then they called me back in 2017. By that, by that time, everybody had copied my products and stuff like that. And then I became the CrossFit subject matter expert for the world. And I'm still that in that position now. And then I became the um, expert for Nine Round Fitness and official rope for them. TRX, if you know them, they adopted my rope as official jump rope for the, for the round world for the last 10 years in the official program. And then I think one of the biggest highlights is that um, Michelle Obama's campaign, I became the one of the spokespersons for their Get Fit, Be Strong program for the U.S. Army to get military families fit and strong around the world. And that's when I called Mr. Rainey on. And it's, it's still going on. And, um, and publishing my books by Human Kinetics, um, um, just you know, seeing the world outside of wrestling, dealing with every sport you can think of, traveling to over 60 countries, having homes in different countries. Um, jump rope is, is like a fairy tale. It made my dream come true. I went through ups and downs. I went through hurdles and I overcame those things with, um, with the battle and never give up. And, um, you know, 40 years later or whatever you want to call it, um, I'm still that kid fighting for my dream to continue to be a little better each day and how can I help others to be better? So you're, you have an amazing story and it sounds like it is, it, 
it, you know, it is success to success. And I want to ask a question that I, I, I try to always ask my guests. Did you ever want to quit wrestling? Did you ever have a, did you ever have a setback that really made you want to question the path that you were on, you know, and, and did you, uh, you know, either in wrestling or, uh, you know, or it could be in, in, in another area in life. Um, and, and how did you, how did you get through that? Well, thanks for asking it. Um, yeah, I had that point. Um, I, the, first of all, I, I wrestled was a way for me to change my life, um, with the education and, um, it was a tough sport. Um, but it's also, I had a lot of anger cause I was a, you know, I came up when I saw segregation and I saw a lot of racism from the state of Virginia, of course. And, um, so a lot of this stuff, so I could channel a lot of pain and stuff into the sport. And 1988 was a point where I almost call it quits. I had won the pre-Olympic trials and I set the longest overtime wrestling match against Dalen Wasman from Minnesota, from Minnesota, coached by Dan Chandler. And he was a returning Olympian. And I had to defeat him in the 1988 pre-Olympic trials. They didn't want to give it to me because he was returning Olympian. Um, I was also in the U.S. Marines at that time. And we went into an overtime wrestling match, 19 minutes and 58 seconds. Referee Rich Latucci, Tucci, he came to me and said, buddy, you know, you almost had him, but we got to keep it going overtime because it wasn't decisive. I had ran him out. Of, I had basically ducked him under, and they gave me a points, and they took it away at 11 minutes. And we went into a 19 minutes and 58 overtime, and then they call it a draw. Then I had to wrestle 30 minutes later another match to win the pre-Olympic trials. I was number one. Then I went into another final. Back then, they had another final Olympic trials. I was number one on the top on the, on the Olympic team. And then I had to wait for everybody to, to wrestle from second place to sixth. Dela Wiseman, I was expecting to wrestle Dela Wiseman. And, um, and Dela Wiseman lost to Ike Anderson in the, in the qualifying competition. And I, you know, I had already beaten Ike a number of times. And then um, in the final Olympic trials, um, I had a referee coming to the locker room. He told me something that I think I'll just say it in my next book in my autobiography. But um, it was it's it's it's, it's basically um, something that amounts to the systemic racism that exists mm. in 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 our country and also that existed in the sport of wrestling and um, and yes I was a victim of it and it played a it played a big uh, outcome in the match and as far as who they decided and who they already intended um, to wrestle and stuff and um, and then I lost that match on a very controversial calls. They threw out my coach out of his corner because he tried to contest it. Arthur Williams, who's no longer with us, he helped us win five national championships in, in wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling national championships. And that, when I say enough is enough, and I quit. And I still remember a man named Steve Brown that came in. He was a photographer for USA Wrestling, and he gave me a pep talk and stuff like that because he was a good friend of Wade Shallis, and he gave me a little pep talk, and I think that then I made a decision, and then uh, I came back in um, 1992. Um, I didn't let anybody take my dream away, and I had that same wrestler, and I beat him the best two out of three. Um, I beat him two matches straight, 2-0, two 2-0. Zero, two zero. And um, he was coached by 
the amazing Joe DeMeo, who's, who's just passed. He's an amazing coach, put a lot of Olympians on the team, great coach and stuff. And he was coached by a great coach. My, my, my Marine Corps coach knew nothing about wrestling. And so I was kind of like self-coaching myself. But I beat a great wrestler. And, um, and that, making that limp team represented young wrestlers. Never, ever let anyone take something away from you that you love, no matter how unfair it is, because that's what life is. And those moments in life, you make a choice. You choose to live your dream or you let someone else take it. You choose to keep fighting to be your best and never give up and be your best all day, night, week, month, and year. And that's what 1992 make become an Olympian meant to me that I'm now never going to let anyone take my dream away. And it came true. So it's overcoming hurdles, overcoming pain, overcoming sweat and tears and realizing that you have everything in you inside of you to be your best. Uh-huh. That's the only time when I almost gave up, but the fact that I recommitted and never gave up and that's how I became an Olympian. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you know, I, and I'm glad you didn't let anybody take that away from you. Yes. I'm thank, 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 thank God. And thank uh, Steve Brown for just, you know, saying those encouraging words. Um, I still remember those things. And I also remember the things that uh, I had an official come in and tell me in private what was going on with the officiating. <laughs> and, um, but uh Man, life is when you look back on these things. I never even talked about that incident until now, but it's it's real. But I, you know, I'm a very, very organic and very, very raw person. I think that you know, you just got to be truth. But um, yeah. you know, I'm just so happy I didn't quit because I could never be where I'm at today. The Olympian status has basically earned me so much respect in the world. When I'm dealing with other sports and talking before people and um, Thank God. And that's what I feel like I needed to have. I need to have a P- PhD in sports. That's what Olympian status meant for me. <laughs> PhD in sports. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, I, I, you know, again, I thank you for, for sharing that story. That's that, you know, I, I think it's important for fans to know about that and to know, you know, because I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know what what we would call the moment we're at with in the United States where where there's a, a reckoning about behavior and treatment. Of, of all people. And, you know, um, I, I just, I think it's important to share those kinds of stories so that, so that people know that it's real. They know that there's, there's discrimination and, uh, and, and they also know that they can push through. They can, you know, they, they don't have to let people take, you know, take dreams away from them. Yeah. I, you know, I just, you know, it's like this, um, you know, let's say, you know, African-American wrestlers back in the day and, maybe even today. I mean, that's part of who we are. We just, you just have to, I mean, your parents teach you about this stuff. And so part of being black is understanding that, Hey, the world is going to treat you different. Um, son, you're going to just have to be two to three times better. No, you're going to get cheated. So when I went into the Olympic trials in 1992, I'd already prepared to beat the referees, his coach and him. It only made me better. You're only making me better. And I don't think I could ever be who I am today if I didn't have those challenges in life. But, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you want some breaks, man. You don't want to, you just want to just basically 
just you know help people embrace you for who you are and stuff like that but um yeah um i i feel very blessed for the people that were in my path um i'm i feel very blessed to you know have a mother that you know taught me about god at an early age and that i had god with me and thank god i could pray so because you know <laughs> you it, it gets tough sometimes you feel like quitting and um and you can always pray to god and he can give you strength and, and he's real i don't think i could ever be where i'm at in life if I didn't have a faith in God and if he wasn't in my life and um, and those other great people that he put, I call them angels because whether you believe in or not, young people and people out there, there are angels and you need to just be able to notice and recognize them. They put certain people in your path and they're there to help you. And when you finish on your journey of just being selfish, because I think that when it comes to sports, you have to be very selfish. It's about a time. It's about you, you, you. You're going to have to basically impact somebody else's life and you're going to have to be their angel and you're going to have to do it unconditionally. And you can't be asking someone how much you're going to get or whatever. It comes from the heart because when I coach Chris Marshall and, and Frank Harris and those other wrestlers, man, this is from the heart, man. It's passion. It's giving back to the sport. And I do believe I came back the second year and I coached um, Frank Harris to a state runner up. He almost won it, but he lost to a guy some some guy that was his menace, but he lost it, but it made, made him a better athlete. I mean, you know, the Marine Corps just provided this amazing, amazing environment for me to prepare, to develop, to have the mindset that it took to become an Olympian. I mean, imagine, guys. I mean, you got U.S. Army. I guess they're winning everything, but I think the Marines are coming back. But imagine that someone is paying you to do what you love, yeah. to strive to be an Olympian or a national champion or world champion. You know, in the Marine Corps, I won three times national Greco-Roman champion. I was three-time national Sambo champion. I was a 13-time armed forces national champion. I was a, a three-time world military champion. And then just learned recently, we won six world titles because I, I was part of the, the world championship team. Um, so we won the world military championships and then being able to compete in 10 world championships and, um, and represent not only the country and yourself, but also the United States Marine Corps. Um, we won five national championships, um, in Greco Roman wrestling. We, you know, and they, they, we had, I was there with the amazing Greg Gibson, Olympic silver medalist, um, uh, world Sambo champion, Steve Badrique, uh, Lou Dorrance. Eric Russell, um, Eric Russell, uh, Eric Seward, 49, you know, Keith Byard, uh, Craig Pollard, Mike Mann, 63 Pander, 80, you know, I can't remember those, but then we had heavyweights, uh, uh, Ron Carlisle, Greg, Craig Pittman, uh, LaRock Benford, uh, amazing team, stuff like that. But, um, you know, we had an environment that was conducive for, being tough and if you if you weren't tough you didn't belong on the team you had to be top three to stay in the country to stay on the team year round so i stayed on the team for the next 10 years of my 11 years in marine corps <laughs> now i can say that because i couldn't tell people i was in the marines coming up because they would say man what this is how we pay our tax dollars seeing you wrestle <laughs> so you couldn't tell people you was a full-time athlete but thank you u.s marine corps Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for providing this amazing environment. And thank you, Americans, for 
having the greatest military in the world. That's right. We have the greatest military on the planet. That's right. And when you go to the rest of the world, see how they live and the opportunities they have, you just don't realize how lucky you are. High school athletes, stop complaining. You are blessed. We have the greatest athletic program on the face of the planet. No one, no one in, in the world gets scholarships to go to college. Kids don't even have, you know, competitive programs over here where I'm living now. They don't even have competitive programs. When they get up, when they doing this 15, 16, they're all getting drunk, partying and stuff like that because they have nothing to look forward to. Mm. They don't have people going back into the schools, motivating them to be their best. They don't have that. So we don't, we are so blessed and we need to start seeing what's happening with the rest of the world so you can understand how mm. great our country really is. <laughs> and when it comes to opportunities, of people of color, hey, there's no way in the world that I could be who I am and where I am today if I was not a citizen of the United States of America. We have our problems, but we have opportunities and they are there and it's up to you to go get them. Thank you for the great sport of wrestling, for teaching me mindset, discipline, and fighting with everything inside, on your back, off your back, on the side that you're never ever going to quit. Greatest sport on the planet, our sport, wrestling. Thank you so much for being here today, buddy. Are there any uh, Are there any other thoughts you want to share? Any other topics that we didn't cover that you want to go into? We have to realize that we're more than just wrestlers. We're, we're not just athletes. Yeah. I mean, we have great minds, and those minds transfer is over into everything. What about them Under Armour? That was a wrestler. You know, yeah. what about this guy that do, with click funnels? He was a wrestler. And yeah. see, I don't think the sport knows how to market and bring people that have done outstanding things in, in, in society outside the sport. Because these people are the ones that can promote the sport because they have excelled in other areas. Mm -hmm. And they're telling them how this sport created the foundation for that mindset, mm -hmm. that mindset of fighting and doing the extra things and, and having courage to stand up to people. Because that's one of the great things about this sport. It's about positive self-image. If I can kick your ass today, you know what? Ain't nobody's going to bully me. You're not going to make me feel like I'm insecure. You're not going to make me feel like you're better than me. I mean, that's the key to people being successful because they need a positive self-image. And to, to basically travel this, this journey of life, man, oh my gosh, so much courage, so much strength you got to have because you know why? Because the negative energy out there is going to knock you down. I don't care how great you think you are, but you're going to have to have that, mm, that courage, that, 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 that self-belief that, man, I can, I will, I must. Live my dream. And if you're willing to put the sweat and tears and focus and persevere, that it become a reality. And when you finally get what it is that you've been asking for in life, the big question is, are you ready for it? <laughs> are you ready for it? Because when you finally get it, man, you got to be ready for it. Because the struggle of staying on top means that you got to be three times smarter and stronger to stay on top. That's why we're always growing, man. That's why we're always learning, Will. You never stop learning. <laughs>
I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's, 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 that's the best message that any of these guys can get. And you know what? It's the best message that other coaches can get and adults can get. All of us need to hear that. Never stop learning, man. I'm just a kid. That's why I'm excited because I realize, shit, I don't know anything. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know nothing. You know, support me when the drop ropes and stuff like that. We have discounts. Um, you know, I'm I'm from the wrestling family, sports family. I created rope for athletes. Support me with your when the ropes and stuff. Um, when it comes to all the teams, we're able to give you guys 30, 40 percent discounts and stuff like that to help with these wrestlers. You can always get me on 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 a podcast or something where I can motivate and inspire your wrestlers to 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 jump rope. I'll do that for free. Just support me with the ropes. And um, and just a big thank you to the, my mentors, um, um, my high school coach, Coach Ruda Ward. Thank you for being, you know, everything to me, father, brother, high school coach. Um, he's he's a, he's Anglo-Saxon. He's white man. I don't know color. I know I know I judge people by the hearts. And that was one of the angels put in my life. My teachers, um, university. Thank you, Billy Martin, for making me your boy. Bill Martin uh, Jr., uh, he has he owns the printing company, screen printing company. He took me alongside, and I was his favorite wrestler, man, but he, I was like a brother. So I got to go on a farm life to see how these guys work hard and stuff. He taught me a lot. He was a very brilliant man. Um, thank you for all the coaches around there, all the and, and thank you to all my competitors. Thank you for making me, man, um, teammates. Thank you for helping me, um, you know, spending the X hours to practice with me. Thank you, USA Wrestling. Thank you, United States Marine Corps, the Armed Forces, and for our amazing wrestling community. And thank you, Will, for allowing me to share my story. Rope to success. We're going to have links in the description to where you can buy jump ropes. We'll have some other information about how to pick a jump rope. And I hope everybody who's listening goes out and buys uh, an awesome jump rope from Buddy Lee. Buy them for your team. And... Uh, uh, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks again, buddy. This has been an awesome episode, a great hour with you. Thank you, Will. Thanks for listening to Back Points today. If you want to support the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you find the show. Also, it helps us if you give the show a rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Feel free to also make a donation via Patreon at patreon.com backpoints. Thanks and see you next episode.